Uh, we're in a series uh, still this morning, and the, the series is, is entitled Disarming Division. And as the last few weeks have illuminated for us, we um, have been invited into uh, one of the greatest journeys with our Lord and King this, this morning uh, and for the duration of our lives. And that journey is rooted in John chapter 17. We've looked at that over the last few weeks. Uh, that, that passage in John chapter 17 is identified as the, the high priestly prayer, right? But that, I, I tell you this morning, that doesn't mean anything to me. And I don't know if I got anybody with me this morning. But uh, when you look at the, the content of those words that Jesus literally pours out before his Father in a, in a place of solitude uh, and, and intimacy with his, with his Father God, before he takes his steps to pursue the mission for which he had stepped onto uh, the earth in the first place, he utters his literal dying wishes here on earth. And so the volume and the weight that those words carry for us, we have been rediscovering over the last few weeks and acknowledging that, 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 that God's ultimate plan for his church and for the world is the unity of his people, that we would be one with he, him, just as he and the Father are one. Amen? And so we have acknowledged that God's plan for his people is to grow in our capacity to, to receive and to embody the unity that comes from God, but also to disarm our enemy. Amen? In his efforts and his attempts and strategies to divide and destroy God's good and perfect plan. Because we know by life's experience and the truth of God's word that if something is the heart of God, then there's going to be something that is in opposition to that that is the heart of our enemy. Amen? And he would love nothing more than to disrupt and to debunk the plans of our Father here on earth. And over the last few weeks, we've taken a look at... Um, at defusing what is different. We've taken a look at uh, fading the feelings and, and exalting the, the, the value of truth in our hearts and our lives. And then last week we talked about dismantling through discussion and just coming to a place as the, the family of God where we absolutely refuse to give the enemy the stronghold in our relationships to, to divide us and keep us apart. And so proactively, not reactively, but proactively, we would, we would commit to come together in discussion that honors and affirms the value of one another and, and celebrates what is different between us instead of uh, rejecting that or, or resisting that so that we can more fully, as the people of God, embrace and embody the unity that comes from God. And let me tell you something. I have heard some amazing feedback from our last few weeks. I, I have literally sensed and, and seen the enemy shaking in his boots, right? Because First uh, uh, Peter chapter 5 says that, that the, the enemy is, is a roaring lion, lion and he's, he's prowling around seeking for someone to devour and destroy. But Peter urges to resist him. And his attacks and his strategies, and he will flee. And so in our efforts to disarm division, we have seen what is just the beginning of our enemy's diminishing influence in us, through us, and among us. Amen? And I can't wait because I know that the best is yet to come. And so to today's message, if you're taking notes, which I would encourage each and every one of you to do that, 
uh, because there are some times that the Holy Spirit says something that doesn't come out of my mouth. It comes straight through His, and those are the best words that you need to hang on to uh, in our gathering this morning. So uh, today's message is entitled, Freely Forgive, and as we draw near to the end of this series, we, we need to acknowledge that the, the end of this journey is still long uh, before us, Amen. We still have miles to go in the way to, to make sure that our enemy is effectively disarmed in our relationships now and for the generations to come. So let's get started this way this morning. Uh, let, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask him to do what only he can do. Can we do that? Father God, we're here for you. We're here on account of you. We, we don't deserve to be here, but because you found it desirable, you have made a way for us to be here. And God, we know and we acknowledge because life has proven in too many ways that we were made for this because we were made for you. And so, Father, this morning, as your word speaks to us freshly, through uh, the scriptures that have been recorded for, for ages, through the Holy Spirit that speaks and reveals things in ways we've never previously experienced. And God, through the word of testimony this morning, I pray, Father, that you would set us free. Father, that we would see fear run and hide when your light turns on. That we would experience the, the deliverance in relationships, in this room, and represented in this room, and in the things that are going to come in the days and the weeks ahead, Father, that they would be effectively disarmed because of what you're going to do in our midst today. And Jesus, let it be for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, turn to your neighbor this morning and tell them, as you look them in the eye, tell them, you've got some forgiving to do. All right? You tell them. Ready? One, two, three. You've got some forgiving to do. Now, just so that nobody feels left out, I want you to look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't make your first choice, right? And let them know they got some forgiving to do too. Ready? One, two, three. You've got some forgiving to do. Man, I love, I love Peter. I love Peter, in, in the, the follower of Jesus in the scriptures, um, that that really represents what I feel to be uh, an accurate expression of me and my life here and now. There are some moments where Peter is following his Lord um, on the earth and, and living life with him and, and doing, I believe, his best to to soak in and to uh, and to reflect the truth and the purpose of God's kingdom here on earth. I really believe that Peter was doing the best that, that he could. And sometimes along the way, the Lord would look at Peter and he would praise him and he would express the pride that he had in him. And, and, and we were reminded that the name Peter actually means rock. And so I believe the Lord saw in those moments that, that he was solid, that he could be depended on, that there was something that, that was immovable and unshakable in Peter, and he affirmed that and celebrated that. And then there are those moments where Jesus talked to the same man in a far different way, and he rebuked, 
and he redirected that guy and his, his best intentions because that thing that, that his name actually meant, remember, rock, as solid and as strong as that was, sometimes I wonder if the Lord didn't have a sense of humor when he named Peter because I don't know about any rocks that have a sense of intelligence out there. And so Peter might have been one of those guys that, that had, a, had a few things missing upstairs, if you know what I'm talking about. But I, I believe Peter represents me on so many levels in my life, and, and I just appreciate the connection um, that the Lord has, has offered to us through a character like Peter. I want to look this morning in Matthew chapter 18 in verses 21 and 22 as we see just a brief exchange between Jesus and Peter. These words are going to be on the screen if you need a copy of Scripture. It says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then he gives what he feels like is a very uh, appropriate answer that Jesus would be proud of because it went above and beyond the standard of the Jewish law that, that, that they were expected to abide by. And so Jesus just aimed really high and said, how often, Lord, seven times? And I'm sure he kind of puffed his chest up and threw his shoulders back a little bit, just kind of waited for one of those moments for Jesus to, to praise him and pat him on the back. And look what Jesus says. He says, no, Peter. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus shattered what Peter had offered in the way of a proposal of how often to forgive one another. As you told your neighbor just a minute ago, and, and they told you that you had some forgiving to do, it's a reality in our relationships that the hurt and the pain and, 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 and the things that happen along the way put us in a place where we assume the posture of one of two things. We either assume the posture of protection and resistance, or we assume the posture of humility and forgiveness. And Jesus and Peter are talking in Matthew chapter 18 this morning about forgiveness and how appropriate it is to forgive one another above and beyond our wildest dreams. You know, Christmas is just around the corner. 72 days, as a matter of fact, for those early birds. But those early birds are probably already in the midst of their holiday shopping. I don't know what you call, like, the, the, the month before Black Friday, probably like, you know, Green Tuesday or something like that. But some of you probably already taken advantage of those opportunities. How many of you are looking forward to Christmas this year? Yeah, it's just literally over the horizon. It's going to be here before we know it. And some of you, as you, as you start to think, as this picture illustrates, about the decorations and the warmth and, and, and all the gifts that Christmas represents, I know in a gathering this size that there's somebody in the room this morning who's thinking about Christmas, and they start tallying up how much Christmas is going to cost them this year. I, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. You know, forgiveness is a little bit like Christmas. We love more than anything else to be on the receiving end, don't we? But sometimes, for some of us, we find ourselves, if we can just be honest this morning, a little bit reluctant and hesitant to be one of those people who says, you know what, I'm throwing the gates wide open. I want to pour out immeasurably more than I ever have because, you know what, you know what, I can put it all on my credit card and I'll just worry about it later, right? If we can be honest this morning, Christmas 
can be like forgiveness for us. Well, we love to be on the receiving end, but we are a little more cautious about being on the giving end. How many of us woke up this morning excited with anticipation of who'd we be able to forgive today? Somebody woke up this morning hoping, praying, just waiting, longing that today would be the day that they would receive the forgiveness they've been waiting for from somebody else. How, how many of us woke up this morning with uh, the anticipation and gratitude for the pain and the offense that would come our way because of the opportunities that they would present to us to, for, to offer forgiveness to others? Man, anybody as they're sitting there eating their omelet this morning just said, thank you, Lord, for the pain. Thank you, Lord, for the offense that's coming my way today. I can't wait to reflect and represent your forgiveness as it comes my way. We love to receive it, but if we can be honest this morning, we're a little more reluctant to dispense it freely. As long as my hurt isn't too deep, I'll forgive. As long as the time and the effort it takes to do so is convenient for me, I'll consider forgiving. As long as it doesn't cost me too much, sure, I'll forgive. As long as there's something in it for me, you can count me in. This morning we have a very, very powerful testimony that we're going to, over the course of a few different videos this morning, express it in its fullness. And this morning as we get started, I want you to understand that the situation that's represented here may not, and it is probably not, similar to the situation or the, that you have experienced or that you will experience in your life, in your journey. So as we get started this morning, I want you to find what's common between you and this story. Take a look. My name is Lena Young. I've been a member here at Shannon Oaks for a long time. I was blessed with four boys, Jared, Brandon, Christopher, and Jonathan. On June 8, 2015, um, my life changed dramatically. Uh, I received a knock on my door at the middle of the night, and when I went to answer the door, there was a guy outside, and he was telling me Jonathan had gotten shot. Um, as I'm asking where he was, and he told me he was at the park, and I was just immediately went numb. I drove to the park alone, and there was a policeman there who told me I need to drive to the hospital. Again, I was alone, but I had called Christopher and was talking to him on the phone on the way there. Well, by the time I got there, my family was already there. Um, a lot of them were. Some of them were pulling up just as I was. Um, we had to wait for the doctor to come out, but the doctor wouldn't allow anybody to go back with me. He made me go back by myself. I get back there, and the doctor said they did everything they could do, but that Jonathan had died. I... Just began a journey that I, of hurt and pain that I never thought I'd ever have to experience from planning a funeral for my son that I just didn't have it in me to do. Luckily, I had help. Um, it was just so numbing to me, and I honestly just do not know how I made it through the week. It was the worst week of my life. 
But um, in this time that we've been just anger and depression and just constant crying. I mean, I cried every day for months, and a lot of it I just hid from other people because I just didn't want them to feel sad. And so I would uh, a lot of times avoid going out with friends and just didn't want to be around people and because I just couldn't stop the hurt. The trial was like 14 months to the day that he passed away, and it was very hard, pretty traumatizing just going through all the details of what happened that night and finding out stuff that I really just did not want to know. I mean, I just really didn't want to hear all the answers to everything that went on. But just sitting through that trial and watching, I was sitting where I could see Tilton Mount's face and just watching his face, knowing that he had no remorse at all whatsoever that he killed. And he just kept denying it and denying it. And it just broke my heart even more. When they got ready to do the sentencing and they found him, uh, sentenced him to 99 years, I watched his eyes and his eyes just kind of really got big, like he just wasn't expecting that. And so I, I thought, well, I guess he got some kind of feelings going on there. And so during that time, I signed a letter of just saying that I didn't want any contact with him. And at the time, I mean, the pain was just so bad, I just did not even want to see him. I honestly believe, wished that he would die in prison. I felt like my life was spiraling out of control a lot of times. Even with counseling, the counseling helped, but there were still those parts of me that were still so angry. And then there was times that I would lash out at other people. What are those emotions are familiar to you? in your marriage, in your family, in your business partnerships, maybe in your dating relationships, maybe in your church experience, which of those emotions and those feelings sound very familiar and personal to you? Some of you walked in this morning carrying the weight of these emotions and these feelings in your life because of something that the enemy has devoured and destroyed along the way. Some of you are, 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 are going to encounter things in the days ahead that are, if, if your heart stays the way it is when you approach today, then, then you're, you're going to experience some of those things in your life. And so this morning as we wrestle with the opportunity and the blessing of forgiveness that many of us struggle to offer to others, I want to ask you this morning, what is it that is forgiveness? Because I think some of us come to this morning representing a, a diverse uh, uh, array of, of ideas and expectations when it comes to forgiveness. So this morning as I was thinking about forgiveness, I was asking my, myself how I have considered this idea in the past and, and, and in the context of my relationships, how it has played out. And a lot of times I feel like that I have looked at forgiveness as kind of an opportunity to start clean, like a, a, a blank slate, right? Starting from scratch. And this morning I want to offer to you, if you've considered forgiveness in that way, along the way, I want you to think bigger and greater than that. Because in the life of a believer and in the context of relationships, there's really not such a thing as a clean slate, right? 
I mean, you look at the life of Christ and, and, and when, when, when he was on the cross and, and he uttered those words that it was finished, he didn't just start back as a, a baby all over again, right? Some of us have considered that forgiveness is an opportunity just to continue on as if nothing ever happened, right? I, I don't know if, if you have the capacity to do that, but, but the reality of my flesh and my spirit just struggles with the opportunity to, to entertain the, the idea and the thought that, that nothing happened because pain is real. And, and I know that when Jesus arose from the dead, that, that he, he rose with his scars. And so the reality of forgiveness is not that, that we pretend like nothing happened and we just keep on going on the journey. This morning, I want to invite you to consider that, that forgiveness may actually be staying focused, keep going along the way, the journey where, that God has put our feet on as the family of God. With the reality that what the enemy intended for bad, God has used for good. Amen? And forgiveness doesn't just uh, ignore what the enemy has done. It says, ha-ha, enemy, you have effectively been disarmed. And our Lord, who is capable of immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, has taken his negative efforts and his divisive strategies, and he has used them in such a way that we are no longer weak but forgiveness actually makes us strong. Shannon Oaks, I want you to consider this morning the reality of forgiveness, maybe beyond where you've previously considered, because I believe that the Lord wants to do something new in the context of our relationships. Luke chapter 11 and verses 1 through 4, we see a very familiar passage of Scripture recorded here. And these words will be on the screen if you want to follow along. If you have a copy of Scripture, it says this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I want to I press in this morning just for a moment on this passage because I believe that the words that Christ offers as a model for his disciples to pray are, are really much deeper than just a script in an intimate moment between us and the Father. Amen? I believe there's some truth here that needs to be uh, illuminated for freedom in our relationships. And when he talks about forgiveness here, he talks about praying for forgiveness of sins between us and the Father, but he, but he doesn't just leave it there. And I think there's a reason that the Lord tags on to that phrase and that thought that as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, as we have forgiven others. And there's something about this passage that just demands, church, that we wrestle with the Lord in this way, that, for, that this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, isn't just a reminder to the Lord that, that we aren't the only ones who, who need forgiveness. Amen? We aren't telling the Lord, Lord, forgive me 
And I know that your attention is really directed at me and and all of eternity and all of heaven. You're you're really thinking about what's going on in my life right now. And you're not so much focused on Joe over here or Sally over there. But listen, Lord, they they need your forgiveness too. That's not what the Lord is offering to his disciples. He's reminding them that through the power and the authority of Christ that he has entrusted to us, the power to forgive like we have been forgiven. And so what the Lord is saying here is really one of those amazing passages of truth where he leads us to love someone else only to the level that we have received the love that he offers to us. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are comfortable Asking the Lord to forgive you only to the extent of which you have forgiven someone else. Man, that's not fair. How many of us are willing to subject ourselves to the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus only to the degree of which we have poured it out on those who have offended us? Man, don't you just want to have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus sometime and just ask him, Jesus, it could have been so much simpler, but he says to us in response, yeah, but this way is so much better. The journey of faith for us, church, is the journey we were made for. It is life abundant. It is not just for eternity here until, uh, until time can measure no more, But Jesus actually says to us, this is what you were made for. And disciples, don't forget, as you deal with forgiveness between yourselves and the Father, don't forget that we're praying, God, forgive us in the same way we forgive others. Take a look at this next part of that video. I knew that, you know, Things were not the way it's supposed to be, and I wasn't liking myself or who I was, and I didn't want to be that person anymore. A few months ago, we've been our Sunday school class began studying a book on what's so amazing about grace, and it, there are a lot of stories in there on forgiveness and how we should forgive, how we should show grace to other people, but a lot of those stories didn't center on what I was going through. And so I've struggled with really trying to figure out where I fit into all that. How do I forgive? How do I even, even forget about what's happened when I can sit and just tell you step by step still what happened that night, all the details that went on when Jonathan died. I had to do some studying on my own and just really look into what God was trying to tell me to do. During all that time, um, as I'm contemplating thinking or reaching out to him to Tilton Maps, I also realized that I needed to do some real deep soul searching for myself and know and know where God wanted me to go with all of this. So as I'm working my second job, the guy who was instrumentally involved in getting Tilton Maps to the into town, he comes into the store and I have to look at him and but God blocked that memory from me for 
his role in the whole thing because I could not remember why he was there or why he was looking at me so strange that day. And so I just um, went home and not thinking about it. But then a couple of days later, it just hit me all of a sudden why I was having, his, having him on my mind. And then honestly, I did not have a panic attack like I normally would have. Um, I remembered who he was. I remembered the role he played that he made that phone call and I knew that he was responsible for Jonathan dying but surprisingly I think God was trying to tell me that I'm ready to handle that now because I felt no hostility toward him. A couple of days later he comes back in the store and this time I was able to look at him and kind of interact with him like I do some of the other customers I think he I guess he probably thought I should have said something stupid or like really lashed out at him but I didn't have that in my heart to do that to him and so I just knew at that point that God was bringing me to a peace with this whole situation so that's when I decided that I really do need to reach out to Tilton Maps I sat down and wrote a letter to him and it came back because I had forgotten why that uh, uh, I really thought at first that he just sent the letter back and just didn't even open it or anything. But it kept tugging at me, and I know that the enemy wanted me to just drop it and let it go. Since I signed the letter saying that um, he could not have contact with me, that meant I could not have contact with him. And so she gave me a phone number and address where I needed to talk to the, the people, I guess, who are over the, the mail that's go in and out and ask to be taken off the negative mail list. And so I just sat down and wrote them a letter and explained why that I wanted to extend forgiveness and grace to Tilton Maps. And they granted that, and so I was able to write him a letter. Dear Mr. Maps, I know you probably think it's strange to hear from me, but lately I've been feeling the need to reach out to you. We've been studying forgiveness in my Sunday school class. Everyone has their opinions on how to forgive and forget. Well, in my situation, I don't believe I can ever forget. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32, it tells us to be kind and compassionate and to forgive each other. You are as much a child of God as I am. I don't have any right to judge you. I am commanded to love you. The Bible also says in Romans, chapter 14, verse 19, for us to make every effort to do what leads to peace. I want my family to have peace. I no longer want to be angry. I don't want my family angry. So, Mr. Maps, I'm praying for peace for you and for your family as well as mine. I forgive you for taking the life of my youngest son. I'm praying God forgives you too. I pray you allow God into your heart and that you can find the peace that only he can give. I pray mostly for your children that they may know God and that he is their true father. Mr. Maps, God is our only way to true freedom. I want that freedom and I pray you will too. Sincerely, Zena Young. Ms. Zena, will you stand this morning just briefly? I know that's the furthest thing from your nature. And church, can we just thank and appreciate the heart of our sister this morning? On behalf of the rest of this family, Zena, I just want to say thank you for modeling the forgiveness of God in the deepest pain that you've ever experienced in your life. And we believe that God has greater things in store because of where he's brought you at this point and where he's going to take you beyond this point. But we are blessed to call you our sister. 
And we have been, many of us have been praying with you and for you on this journey. And uh, we just cannot thank the Lord enough for what he has poured out on you and through you in this journey. Let's give her one more round of applause, church. Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us in verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And Shannon Oaks, I want to remind you this morning, as it has been clearly demonstrated for us physically, that your offender is not your enemy. Somebody needs to hear that this morning in, in the journey to forgive someone else, that your offender is not your enemy. And there, if you begin to treat your offender as if that person or that circumstance is your enemy, then at some point along the way, you're going to begin to feel like Zena felt, where, where something just doesn't feel right, that there's no healing and there's no wholeness to be found and there's no satisfaction that belongs to you and you begin to um, resist the need and the invitation to extend forgiveness. And some of you are here this morning thinking, I just don't know if I could do that. There's no way that that could be me. The pain is too deep, too raw, and too real for me to subject myself in such a powerful way. And I want to remind you this morning, church, that as we commonly celebrate and praise our brother Jesus this morning for the forgiveness that he has freely poured out on us, if we have received the greatest demonstration, expression of forgiveness that all of heaven and earth could ever know, then, then, then how can we resist offering that through to someone else? In other words, if we've experienced the best, then why do we have a problem accepting something lesser? Amen? If something has come to us from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then surely we can trust him to pour that through us. Amen? If you've received it, I believe God wants to pour it out through you. Take a look at this last clip in this video. He actually wrote back to me within a few days of getting the letter and told me he was sorry. Well, that meant the world to me because all I wanted was for him to say he was sorry, and he did. I know that God is bringing me to a place where I don't have to be angry anymore and I don't have to be held hostage by unforgiveness. So if someone is holding on to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, I would encourage you to put yourself in that person's position right now. Life is short. The pain is just not, it's, it's, pain is so real and it hurts so bad. And if you ever want to get rid of that pain, the best way to go is forgiveness. You have to let go because you can't get even because even getting even won't fix it. And so as long as you're holding on to that, you will never be happy. And you cannot be all you're meant to be as long as you're holding on to those feelings. I believe I'm on the road to my complete healing. 
um, I feel so much better not dealing with all of that hanging over my head like I couldn't move forward so now I feel like I can move forward and I really want to share with other people how much better I feel and it's kind of hard to explain exactly how I feel it's just the fact that I know that God loves me God loves Tilton you know and you cannot love if you don't have God and if you don't have forgiveness and so I am just totally uh, in awe of where God is leading me and I'm uh, and I want to be all I can be to, be, to serve him and to serve others if that's the way I, if that's the way I need to go I wouldn't mind sharing my story with other people to help them get to that place our sister Zena has truly been set free and if you if you've seen her in the last week to 10 days you can tell a difference the weight that she used to carry because of the, uh, the, the reluctance to offer this forgiveness uh, for such a deep hurt in her life has now been offered freely and beautifully and so perfectly loving like our Father in heaven. And so uh, she is now headed into a, the best season that she's experienced in light of where she's been. And some of us this morning need to realize we've got some forgiving to do. There's something in our lives that the Lord wants us to encounter with love, confidence, truth, just like Zena did. It may be on a big scale. It may be on a tiny scale. Listen, that's not what's important. What's important is that you as a child of God are proactive in disarming the enemy in your journey in his family, and that we see God unite us in the only way that he can. We, we somehow believe that forgiving makes us weaker. But church, the reality is forgiving makes us stronger than we've ever been before. As we acknowledge that what the enemy intended for bad, that God has brought us together in a way that, that we celebrate his goodness and his faithfulness for holding all things together, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, even his family. And I'm confident that in a gathering this size this morning, that the Lord has, has spoken and illuminated something or someone uh, to someone's heart this morning in such a way that you know that your next step is to, is to pursue the forgiveness that we've represented here this morning. The, script, the scriptures tell us that, that God has offered it freely to us, and, and therefore it's our opportunity and blessing to offer it freely to others. We all need to receive a greater measure of forgiveness from our Father in heaven. Because only then can we fully accept the fullness of his responsibility in the journey of forgiveness. To pour out grace and mercy because they come from him, not us. We just become the conduit that he uses, amen? And so as we trust and receive a greater measure of forgiveness before our Father, may the Lord lead us to the foot of the cross once again this morning. May he remind us of all that has been washed clean, then, now, and forever. And then somebody in this room this morning, 
Somebody needs to encounter the Lord's faith-filled journey of forgiveness with a brother or sister. Maybe even in this room today. Maybe it's with a, a spouse. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with someone else in this family of faith. Maybe it's someone that you need to make a phone call to or stop by on the way home and visit. But there is a division that the enemy wants to bring to the church. And it's our obligation and our invitation to protect the unity of God that has been entrusted to us at all costs. And so may we never forget what has been done for us so that we can represent that to others. So I want to ask that you would stand to your feet and bow your heads as we pray at the end of our service today. And I'm going to say a prayer here in just a second, and I, I'm going to leave a blank where I, if there is someone, a name that the Lord has offered to you this morning in the way of an opportunity for reconciliation, when we get to that point, I want you to speak that name, okay? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus who offers it to us freely and abundantly. We thank you for your spirit who has moved and spoken and, and, and even stirred in the heart of our sister Zena over the last three years to bring her to the point where she's at today. God, continue to bless her and use her in mighty ways for your kingdom. But Father, use her story to lead us all to hold more tightly to your unity to your heart cry for your people. And so, God, if that means for us we receive more from you, then so be it and let it be. And if, Father, that means that we swallow the pride, the pain of the past, and, and we, 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 we stare fear in the eyes and we, we tell it to move on and get out of the way and, we, and we, we step faithfully and confidently toward a brother or sister who needs to experience the reconciliation that comes from you, Lord, let it be. Let it be for your glory. And so, church, this morning, I, I want you to pray these words with me. Father, just repeat it after me. Father, I've been holding on to this pain for a while. Father, I know that my offender is not my enemy. And, Lord, it's no coincidence that you've brought me to this point this morning. To hear your truth. So, Father, I pray that you would give me the courage and the confidence to forgive, fill in the blank. Now, I want you to tell the Holy Spirit that you're forgiving that person. Literally say those words, I forgive the name that he showed you. I forgive my brother, my sister, my spouse, my father, my business partner, my son, my daughter. I forgive that stranger who didn't even know me. 
I forgive that church member who hurt me so deeply. I forgive that pastor, that elder. Father, may we receive the fullness of that truth in our lives and through our lives this morning. We feel your presence here. We wash, are washed clean by your truth as you lead us. Draw us together, Father, so that the world can see there is no other reason than the powerful name of Jesus that we are held together, have been brought together, and will stay together for the course of eternity for our good and for his glory. Let them see so that you reign and you rule here and now. Jesus, we love you.